You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR. My name is Shane, I'm here with Fiona. How are you doing, Fiona? I'm good, Shane. How are yourself? Doing all right, doing all right. So we're recording this a couple of days early, but you will be listening to this on Invasion Day um, on Wednesday afternoon. And I am dialing in from Bidwell country in Far East Gippsland today. And I wanted to acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded in this beautiful land up here. Um, and we're continually working with the traditional owners to try and protect country. So it's really important to remember where you're, where you're standing on this particular day and every day. What about you, Shane? Where are you dialing in from? Absolutely. I'm recording from Boonwurrung and Wurundjeri land. Good old Melbourne town, hey? Um, yes, maybe not quite as beautiful as the country that you're recording from. That's correct. <laughs> so today we have a really great interview with a couple of um, HAG's early, not quite founding, but almost founding members um, who were very active in the 1970s in housing justice areas and are telling us some great stories about um, what they used to get up to. So we'll go straight into that interview. Yeah, you'll love to hear it. We're joined today by Maureen Donnelly and Joan Doyle from the Mornington Peninsula, just out of Melbourne. How are you both going today? Hi, Fiona. Hi, Shane. Uh, coming to you from Bunurong, Boomerang country uh, here, where the huge waves of land were stolen by the colonisers and upon which rests our current housing system where the thievery continues at the hands of banks and developers and agents, aided and abetted, of course, by the state. We normally have to gas our guests up before we get this sort of, get this sort of content going, so I'm happy to, to get there right out of the gate. Thank you. And Joan, do you want to say hello? Yeah, hi, everybody. So, Joan, I, I want to start by asking you, you said that you first got involved in sort of housing politics, the field of housing, I think, in the, the 70s. Is that right? That's right. Um, I was involved for a good 10 years, around mid-1975 to um, 1985. And it was um, a very interesting time because um, housing activism sort of changed from um, it used to be academic planners and lecturers and people like that. And then um, a whole lot of younger people got involved and um, it was a, a different era. This was about 50 years ago. So, you know, it was the Whitlam government and um, things were on the change. We'd, we'd sort of come out of, oh, you know, the Vietnam War and Springbok tour protests and things like that. And so um, it, 
at that time there seemed to be an upswell of um, lots of young people and the need was great, like it's probably even greater today, but there were a lot of people who believed in, you know, that old adage of organising, educate and agitate. And so we did a lot of direct action and, um, you know, were fairly in their faces, lots of publicity and um, lots of doing things um, for ourselves. I mean, what sort of issues were you organising around? Like, what were the, the housing issues of the, the mid to late Well, 70s? lots of people were homeless and so... Um, I think it was the start of um, the squatters' union. Um, I know that um, the Whitlam government had put a lot of money into regional development and so there were some resources, like I, I started off working for the Western Regional Housing Council and there were a lot of other regional housing councils. And what we did was organise groups of people to go get their housing rights. So there was a real upswell with... Um, people squatting empty public housing, Defence Force, uh, also railway housing. I think we had about 40 squats on the go in the Western region at, um, you know, one time. And then tenancy law reform, people were agitating about that. Um, lots of protests about the public housing budget and, um, of course, women's refuges, youth refuges, things like that were all, you know, people were doing it for themselves sort of thing. That regional um, structure, those regional housing councils was critical because um, they were, we were able to um, connect with tenants um, or people seeking housing at a local level and we were enabled to work, you know, to enable them to fight for their own housing rights and then connect in through the regional housing councils to shelter. So that really, you know, it really became a movement. Um, and at about the same, so Shelter Victoria, which, you know, played a, a coordinating role. Um, so it really brought highlighted the shortage of public housing, that the housing system was stuck, it was private rental or private ownership um, or, you know, infinite queues for public housing. I think it's probably even worse now. But it was such a, such a way to um, build activism from the ground up. You were both obviously a lot younger, as we all were in the 70s. Um, was, were the issues around the housing around younger people and you mentioned family violence and, and did older people get involved later? So what was the genesis of the focus on older people and housing? So, so at, at the time, um, at least in the Western Port region where I was the, the coordinator of the Housing Council, there was already a lot of um, um, local housing action, um, housing support groups throughout the peninsula. Um, and um, so, we, we, you know, we had Mornington Housing Group, Southern Peninsula Housing Group, um, Frankston Housing Group, Hastings, Pakenham, Chelsea. And then um, one of the housing officers at Frankston and Bernie Duff, who was also based at Frankston Council, were working with a, a, a small group of older tenants who um, were also stuck in the housing market. What can you do on a pension? You know, it's just not affordable. Private rental wasn't affordable. And they they um, became the nucleus 
of the Housing for the Aged Action Group. And we think it was probably around um, early, late 1980s, early 1990s. What was it like to squat back then? Did the police get involved? Was, was, the, was the local councils involved? Um, all, all of the above, Fiona. Um, but, but there was also, like I was saying before, there was also that link with um, through regional councils to at the statewide level through um, shelter. And so we would do things like, um, you know, I've got a fantastic photo of the um, Housing for the Aged Action Group all bundling into a bus and going off to Canberra at budget time that we have done demos outside the um, Ministry of Housing offices. Remember we occupied the minister's office one time. Which minister was that? Well, it was actually Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. How did you go about occupying his office? Well, things were really different um, then and I think nowadays you probably wouldn't get because the state's much well better organised. But in those days, for example, if you um, squatted a Defence Force house, you know, we would know that it had been empty for so long because of our local knowledge. I was in the Western area and Maureen was in Western Port. But, you know, you'd basically you'd go to the media and say, we've put this family who's homeless, you know, have got in here, it's been empty for four years and they're willing to pay rent, and the police wouldn't actually hassle you. Um, yeah. One should one actually taken control of the place and put a note on the door. We used to put, you know, put legal notes on the door of various um, legal validity. <laughs> um, but, you know, once you, once you were occupying, they really wouldn't try and get you out. And... Um, we used to have whole streets in Laverton. There were whole streets of empty houses. So there'd be lots of single mums who'd help each other and look out for each other and mind each other's kids and lend each other money and food and stuff. And and people were too ashamed. The Defence Force and Vic Rails and public, if they were public houses, Ministry of Housing were too embarrassed to get you out. And it was a bit, you know... Because we were young and um, non-threatening, a lot of women and children, same with the minister's office, that they really didn't want to be seen to be throwing homeless people on the street. And it was a really different time, you know, like it was the, the Conservatives had been kicked out and it was a time of hope and change and people, you know, people expected something different from the government. And I think... Um, you know, times now are just so completely different. Basically, 1972, it was Whitlam to 1975, and they, the, the Whitlam government put a lot of money into the community. So there were a lot of community groups that were funded and regional groups, and, um, you know, they talked, you know, they, they increased the public housing budget and it was, you know, it was a time of change. And, of course, that didn't last very long. But, um, you know, the, there wasn't an immediate backlash against people who were pointing out the errors of the system and, you know, getting publicity and agitating. The state, gov the state government, I can't remember. I know there were a lot of scandals prior to this about Ministry of Housing land deals 
and um, a lot of corruption and stuff. And so I think they were a bit embarrassed too about, you know, coming, cracking down too hard on, you know, all these, you know, young people and mums and, you know, pensioners and things like that. We've heard some stories on the show before about their their willingness to kick kick women out of uh, public housing in those days, but because we were fairly well organised, like we'd have legal backup, we'd have lots of people, um, we'd put media releases out, um, and and you know, like we used to be actually very good at breaking and entering. I remember <laughs> really a really funny um, story where. Me and this other woman, who I'm, I'm pretty fat now, but she was fat too. So both of us were stuck in the toilet, changing the. What you used to do is take the pins out of the the doors so that you could get in, and we'd got in through in the louver windows into the toilet, and then the toilet door was locked, so we had to take. And the cops were outside patrolling, and they were talking, going, "All oh, those bloody squatters, and you know, give us, giving us the pip." We were having a nice quiet night and, you know, are they there or aren't they there? You know, so basically, you know, we, we were pretty efficient and then, you know, the the family is all ready to move in in a moving van and, and lots of people there to protect them in the beginning until things, you know, they weren't going to be thrown out. And they lots of brave people, but people didn't have any option. They were living in their, their cars and... Um, couch surfing and living outside so you know they were up for it and they were really um you know believed in their rights to have a house you know housing was a right now it's sort of all this welfare crap you know and and people need all this support and that whereas people were saying no just give us a house and you know we're willing to pay rent and find a house and um, I, I was actually just going to quickly mention we were also very creative. Like there was the squat that in Mornington where we actually held high tea and invited. I think Ian Cathy was the Labor Minister then. Um, we also at one stage auctioned Bob Hawke's house. Um, <laughs> so, and we did street theatres and like, but, but we were just, you know, then housing activism was driven by, you know, we were. People for public housing said it all. We, 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 people were just so committed to housing as a right um, and not something that should be stigmatised and welfareized and um, and therefore rationed, of course, by the, the government. Um, but we, we shouldn't um, overlook also the role of the women's movement. So in the early, probably about the mid-1970s, um, there were um, women's halfway house, um, uh, squatted uh, Holden Street flats. So the, and 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 the same thing there. There was just this strong um, conviction by women of their rights, housing as a rights. So I think yeah, that's Jones. That is a fundamental. So hopefully, um, you know that that um, conviction of housing as a rights is still driving housing these days. And it looks like, Fiona, from the talk that you gave at our Southern Women's Action Network meeting, that that's very much the case. Yeah. And I, I was thrilled to hear that that still that the people who are the ones affected, the people who want um, housing, the people who want to assert their rights are very much involved in the organisation. So it's not one that's become sort of bureaucratised. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting because it sounds like the peninsula was a bit of a hotbed of, of housing activism. And we we had Peter Sibley on the show a couple of weeks back um, who was involved in one of the co-ops down there. Was the co-op movement a radical movement as well in those days? Do you think, do you think there's lessons that we could be learning from, from the, the, the concept of a co-op? And, and just to say, I don't really think that the peninsula was a particular hotspot. I think it was pretty much um, statewide. But, um, yeah, just those housing groups that I mentioned before on the peninsula, probably a good half of them did become housing co-ops eventually and, and very much, again, driven by those members of those housing action groups who were people themselves um, seeking, you know, better housing so unfortunately, we are running out of time quite quickly because I could hear stories about uh, selling off Bob Hawke's house all day. Um, but we wanted to finish up with like some pretty broad, a couple of pretty broad questions for the two of you, um, basically about how you see the housing situation as having changed um, over the time that you've been involved or from when you first got involved. So first of all, how have things gotten worse? And then secondly, to hopefully finish on a more positive note, how have things improved or what opportunities do you see now for change? I see Joan giving a big sigh, so I might ask her first. Joan. I think things have gotten worse because um, housing's really got off the public agenda. It's, I think it's um, it became bureaucratised and welfareized, and, you know, public housing turned into social housing, I think that really our success was, you know, combining direct action and publicity and that really the politicians couldn't ignore you when you're in their face. Like we'd go up to Canberra in these buses and take over the city going round and round the circular um, traffic jams of, of Canberra and squatting, you know, some of the empty embassies and one time we went into Parliament House and put all this chicken feed all over the the um, public hall um, because, you know, that was what the public housing budget was, just chicken feed. So they couldn't ignore you. Nowadays they sort of have individualised the problem and, you know, it's people's fault that they can't get housing and, you know, there's, there's um, you know, I think things have got so bad that now that, you know, they're starting to talk about... Um, you know, changing the system. But, you know, we, we were really in their face about, you know, how tenants pay twice as much for their housing as homeowners and they couldn't ignore you because, you know, you, you were doing that agitation and publicity and um, there were lots and lots of people involved, you know, whether they're old or young or, or women and their kids or whatever. So I'm hoping that, you know, when things are bad enough, people do, you know, stand on their two legs and say no more. So I think it's getting to that stage where people are doing that again. That was a great answer. And Maureen, I mean, same question for you. What's what's gotten worse and what do you see as a, a positive or an opportunity? Yeah, well, I totally agree with Joan, but um, I think worse would be the public housing waiting lists. Um, worse would be, I was talking to somebody the other day, um, a family with three little kids um, and trying to find something on the rental market. Um, 
and the, the real estate agent said, well, I've got 19 interviews in the morning and another 19 in the afternoon, so I won't be able to even put you on the waiting list. <laughs> the need is far greater. Hopefully the activism will resurface or is there that will lead towards putting greater pressure on um, the government because obviously there's an important role in expanding the public housing sector. I think maybe things that have got better might be that, you know, the variety of housing models these days, like social housing models and, um, you know, co-ops, maybe um, improvements in terms of tenant control, tenants having a say over their housing, perhaps that's that's the case. I don't know because I've been in Singapore since for um, the last 20 years where um, I might just finish by saying most people live in public housing um, and it works. Um, Government-owned housing, of course, you know, you, people still eye off the, the wealthier who've got a a condo with a swimming pool in the condo, but you know, in general, public housing works. So I think uh, think that's that's all I would add. Thank you so much, Jonah Maureen. I direct action is is my youth as well, and I really love to hear these old stories, and it, it brings joy to my heart. So hopefully, the um the listeners will listen to this and get inspired to stand on their own two feet and take back their right to housing, as you say, Joan. So. Um, thanks again for being on the show. We definitely have to get you back and get some more anecdotes about some good old direct action. So, um, yeah, we'll be in touch and we'll definitely be in touch with Bernie Duff too to hear more about the origins of HAG. You're welcome. See ya. There are many ways that you can keep up to date with 3CR news, events and programs. With Facebook stripping content, it's a timely reminder to focus on the communication channels and platforms that the community controls. The 3CR website is a great spot to catch all your shows via audio on demand or scroll through our range of podcasts. It's also where you can sign up to our monthly newsletter, buy yourself a new t-shirt or check out archival audio from past broadcasts. Of course, we're also on Twitter at 3CR and Instagram at 3CR Melbourne. But don't forget our mighty AM band. Catch us anytime on 855am. Keep in touch. 3cr.org.au City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City Limits. limits. Welcome back. You're still listening to 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Um, that's about all we have time for today. Um, Shane, 
Maybe you could tell us about how to get in contact with HAG if, um, if people are interested in getting involved in housing justice or involved in finding themselves secure and safe housing. Yeah, if you want to be the, like the next round of activists who are selling off Bob Hawke's house or whatever the contemporary equivalent might be, um, give us a call. Our number is 9654-7389. Um, if you have a, a housing issue yourself that you need some advice about or, or uh, want to find out what options you might have, uh, you can give us a call on 1300-765-178. That number is 1300-765-178. Uh, or you can check out our website, aldertenants.org.au. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, Fiona, yes. what are we going to leave them with? We're going to go out with a song called Dumb Things. It's a cover of Paul Kelly, a good old Paul Kelly song, and it features AB Original and the extremely hot Dan Sultan. So, yeah, let's hear that. Sounds good. See you next time. Strangers to the show I'm the one who should be lying low Saw the knives out, turned my back Heard the train coming, stayed right on that track In the middle, in the middle In the middle of a dream I lost my shirt, I found my rings I've done all that dumb things yeah, them dumb things, this going out to my brothers down there in Dundale Dealing with that disaster that them guards are there and not jail Thinking we getting that welfare, huh? Thinking we getting that healthcare, huh? Think about if it was your son, now think about sending some help there Yeah, what's dumber than that, mate? What's dumber than dressing up blackface? What's dumber than doing it, knowing it hurts And don't even work to make that change, let's go! In the middle, in the middle, in the middle